0: Hey, 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 you know, I still have not figured out this intro. Hi, I'm Danny, and this is the Ice Planet podcast. I've gotten that much. I've gotten that that part of the intro down, my name and the title. Um, I want to welcome you to episode four. Um, This week, we are discussing Barbarian Mine, aka Harlow's book, aka the one where she gets dragged off and no one really gives a shit. (laughs) Poor. Hashtag Harlow deserved better. Um, This week, I'll get into it on the actual recording, but just so we're up front, this week I am joined by Erin from Learning the Tropes, and I was really excited to have her on because Erin and Clayton, that whole podcast, it was the first podcast I'd ever heard where someone had discussed any of the books from this series, so it's a lot of fun. Um, Please go and check out their episode of The Ice Planet Barbarians, book one, um, I highly recommend it. So I'm so glad she could join me for this episode. It's been a crazy week. I also forgot to post a question on Twitter. I'm, uh, I'm telling you, this is just me being messy. Apologies. Um, typically, if you're like, what is she talking about? Typically, or lately, it's only been four episodes, so I don't know if I've reached typically status yet. But usually when I post an episode, I like to ask the followers of the podcast a question and then share responses in this little wraparound intro. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at IcePlanetPod. Um, if you're not on Twitter, like me, I've not, I'm have not i not off Twitter. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I've eased up on some social media accounts. And you would like to email me, that you can also do that. That is at contact at IcePlanetPod. If you have any questions, theories, concerns, If you're Ruby Dixon and are listening and are interested in being on the podcast, that would be the dream. It comes up in this episode. That would be the dream. Please feel free to send me an email. You know, I may make it to the podcast, especially if you're Ruby Dixon sending me an email. She's got the priority. She's got priority access. What else do I have to update on? I think. Oh, I will say I did not do a question this week. But if you go check it out, People have been getting really creative with the Photoshop. Someone made a Metlek that I'm really happy about. Um, and people have been sending me a lot of photos of couples with um, really, I don't want to say severe, but with really extreme height differences. One photo, it looks like this woman had to climb this man just to reach, you know, face level. And I love it. I just immediately think of Josie and Haydn. I mean, it's hard not to, go look at the photo. You'll get the exact same vibe. Um, That is pretty much it for this little intro wraparound. So I'm going to lead you now into the episode, me and Erin from Learning the Tropes. She was such a sport agreeing to be the first recording for this bonkers podcast about this bonkers series. Um, I love this episode. I love the whole thing so far. Thank you again to everyone who's been listening. Thank you to everyone who's been guesting. It still feels weird that I'm doing this and people are listening to it, Um, but I love it. And I'm here to have a good time, so let's go! Enjoy the episode, I will be here when you get back! So, hi guys thank you for joining us for the i guess temporarily called ice planet podcast um a podcast where i reread all of the ice planet barbarian series and discuss it with a guest host and today's guest host is aaron from learning the tropes podcast hello aaron hi thanks <laughs> it, so much for having me no thank you for coming i'm sorry we couldn't get clayton that would have i felt like oh. that would have been an interesting discussion
1: I, he would have had to go back to the ice planet, back to Not Hoth, which would have been a trial. Um, Can I tell yeah. you all that I still like?
0: I remember the Vectal test. Like sometimes, <laughs> I read this book <laughs> because you all were the first podcast I heard that ever talked about one of these books. I'm not saying I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not saying you all were the. I can't say you all were the first to do it, but like when I was looking through books, you all were the first one to like discuss these books. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I haven't heard about, well, I don't think there was anyone before us, but maybe, maybe, we can't say definitively, but, right. um, yeah, this, we were going through a few days ago the are like long list of recommendations of what to do. And Clayton said, dead seriously. All right, well, we need some aliens because we need to bring back the de- Vectal test. Because <laughs> you got to so bring like, it back. Okay, what alien books do we have? Yeah. Oh, I love it
0: because, because it's a good test and it's a good, like, because the- we'll get into it we'll talk about their physical uh attributes later but um so Mm -hmm. i did want to ask how did you discover the ice planet barbarian series like what led you to it
1: it you know how you just like come across something and then it just like sticks in your mind as something strange and i was on twitter and somebody mentioned it and i remember just looking it up and be like oh this is such a weird corner of the internet um And then we had started recording Learning the Tropes and we had done a few books and they were all pretty, um, like great books, but pretty like standard fare. Mm -hmm. And Clayton and my husband Pat were like, we need to do something a little weirder. Like what's weird? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, there's like shifter books. I'm like, there's this book called Ice Planet Barbarians. And they were like, yes, (laughs) let's do that. I don't know what it's about. Let's go for it. And so we did. And I, I mean, it's a great book and it, has, seems to have this like really big um, renaissance now where a lot of people are reading it, which I'm really happy about. Um, after we did our rec- recording, put out our podcast and uh, Ruby Dixon, who writes them was really sweet and, shared it and a bunch of people were like oh these two they hated this book so much and I was like we genuinely are obsessed with it I don't understand how like it didn't come through that we like loved it and found it so weird and so fun I there were issues with the first book that I'm sure you've probably already discussed but yes um yeah in general it's so weird and fun and silly and like heartfelt at times that um yeah it's a great series
0: yeah my whole thing was like it's such unapologetic women's fantasy like they're these big aliens dude and they just love you and like if they want to rub your feet and take care like it's just pure like wish fulfillment and it's so fun and it's kind of bonkers at the same time so and yeah the first book I was one of the people who thought you didn't like it to be honest but I think it's because that oh, really? first book is just so well, heavy and it's
1: yeah it's not as fun no It's not as, like, because I've since read two more, and then obviously I read Barbarian Mine, which is what we're talking about today. Um, And they are much lighter and much more fun. There is, like, a a level of, like, darkness and violence in the first book that, as far as I've read, hasn't been repeated. No. um, Which is good, which I'm happy about. (laughs) Yeah. Because it just seemed, I don't uh, don't know, I don't want to assign things to authors or sort of what they were thinking, but it does seem... That's not the fun part of reading about giant blue men with, like, you know, clitoral stimulators next to their (laughs) dicks and giant horns. I don't want also a threat of rape. You know, it's too much. So Sometimes I just wonder, like, because it was the
0: first book, and I think when you read her author's notes, I always read her author's notes because they're very enlightening. I don't think she expected other people to like them as much as they did. And I think maybe she might have gotten feedback and realized people like the fun alien stuff. The intergalactic slave trafficking not so much and she sort of adjusted the content that way so yeah so you sort of touched on this the one we're reading today is barbarian mine um just a note for those who are listening this is harlow's book aka the one where she gets kidnapped by the wild man because my issue with these titles sometimes and i my fear is eventually i'm gonna hit a point where someone thinks they're supposed to read book x and they accidentally read book y because these titles are so similar um, it's hard to keep track sometimes. So Barbarian Mind, a.k.a. the one where the girl gets kidnapped by the the Tarzan wild man. So what did you think of this one? So you said you have read the first one and two others. Did you just read them in succession? The first I, four?
1: So I read Ice Planet Barbarians, obviously, and then I read... I'm, yeah, what you said about the titles—the titles are really hard to keep track of. <laughs> so I read like Liz and Rashush's book, which I really liked. That's book two. And then mm-hmm. I, yeah, and then I skipped the one where it was with Kira. I think the one where she has the um, the communicator in her brain because mm-hmm. I was scared that was going to be kind of more like um, the first book as far as like violence and stuff. Um, and then to do, in preparation for this, I read *Barbarian Mine*. Okay. So I've read those three, yeah.
0: Yeah. Barbarian, um, I can't even know the title. Kira's book, she, They do. it does get some action-y, but she does stay away from, like, it doesn't get as dark as the first one. But the aliens do come back. It's, it's pretty wild. What did you think of this particular book? Did you enjoy it? Did you like it? Compared to the other, because you've had some experience now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I've hung out on Hoth. Um Wait, so you've read all the books then? You must have.
0: I think I've read almost all of them. There's one or two towards the end because towards the end, there's like 19 of these books to begin with. Mm -hmm. Towards the end, she starts doing some like flashbacks, so like we get like Marlene's book, we get um, Ariana's book, the one who cries all the time, we get her book, and they're like they're written out of order. So it's like we flash back to when they first crash lands on the planet, even though it's been technically like eight years since that. And Mm -hmm. then it flashes forward again back to the present. They're a little confusing. So I've read most of them. One day, I think it was like, not one day, but like one month. I paid for like a month of, um, I had a free month of Kindle Unlimited. And then I paid for a month. And I think I just like slammed them all out. So, yeah. And then as the new ones, and I also now own them because that's the kind of person I am. So, and then as the new ones come out, I read them. So I've read a lot of them. A great many of them. (laughs) That's so, <laughs> so I'm like, this is my, I like, I guess this is my l- specialty.
1: <laughs> is the planet ice planet of barbarians. I mean, listen, she has a talent, Ruby Dix. Like I really do love these books whenever I read, because like, the thing that's difficult when you do have a podcast and it's such like not something really to complain about, but I have so many books I have to read for like a weekly podcast that then series that normally I would have probably just taken like an ice planet month. I can't because of that. I, you sort of get sidetracked. Right. Um, but I really loved coming back to not Hoth and I really loved this book and it was really a, heartfelt in a way that I didn't expect and really sweet um, and really, really romantic in a way that I felt like others were kind of a little more silly. This was, it's It felt more like people choosing each other, even though there is, like, the uh, resonance. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily have a choice, I guess. Although they do. You don't have to resonate with the person that you well, resonate they, with. So they
0: sort of touch on that in this one. You have to... I guess the mating has to happen, but you mm-hmm. don't have to necessarily stay with that person because that's what happens with the hero. Like, that's what happens with the family in this whole book, and that's what causes all the issue, was... um. Rook's father resonated to his mother, his mother didn't love him, didn't want to stay with him. The chief said, "Well, residents cannot be denied." They that's a that's a quote that comes up a lot. Residents <laughs> cannot be denied, so they had to have the baby, but after the baby was like conceived or the baby was made, they didn't have to stay together. She didn't have to stay with him and live with him as a couple.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And then there's another yeah. book in the series where they've resonated And then they have, like, this personal trauma, and it breaks them up, and then the book is them coming back together. (laughs) Oh, I'm such an expert in this series. (laughs) So, yeah. So, and I agree with you. Like, they're very earnest, and I kind of appreciate that in a way. Like, it's earnest. Like, the Saku are earnest about their feelings. The women, at least, sometimes I get annoyed by how quickly they adapt to things, and they're like, well, I guess this is our reality now. But at the same time, you you don't want to read about a pity party. Yeah.
1: But like a little bit, but she's like, oh, I got kidnapped. Like I've been kidnapped from my house and now I got kidnapped from the caves. The only people (laughs) I know in this world, this guy can't communicate with me, but like, let's get around. Let's start tanning some hides. Let's make this happen. Yeah. It's like, I appreciate her, like, uh, her ingenuity and her (laughs) desire to just sort of like make the best of things. But also I'm like, you could take a few minutes (laughs) to be fucking terrified because what is going on? Yeah. She, like, these women, their ability to just roll with situations, like, I guess can be admired, because I certainly wouldn't be like that.
0: Yeah, they get, they adjust and adapt with a quickness, and it's yes. it it's, it's admirable. So we sort of touched on it, so I guess, like, let's get in into it. I do want to just do a quick recap, because these books are standalone, but the previous book, they sort of move each other along. So, like, mm-hmm. things are set up in the previous book that sort of help set up the the next book. So in this one... They have Kira has, like done this grand like escapade that is escapade's the wrong word, but whatever. This escapade that has chased away the aliens, but it's left Hayden injured. He's been shot. And so Ahako sends Harlow off to go get the supplies to make a travoy. And that's where we pick up in the book, and we see that she gets it. I do want to say, like I have in my notes, this is the last of any fucks a will give about Harlow for years. And I'm extremely disappointed <laughs> in him because she goes missing, and everyone's like, well, I guess she just decided to leave. This is not How the episode. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This is not the episode for that, but we can touch. They know that there are giant, there are rogue aliens. They know there are giant Yeti people who will also just grab people. And everyone's just like, well, I guess Harlow left. And I'm like, you guys, you could, a search party could have been sent out. I feel like getting bonked over the head and dragged away by a wild man would leave some sort of
1: physical evidence.
0: Nah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but yeah. So He's like, I guess I'm not getting my travoy. Move on to the next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) they're just like, you know what? Forget her. Like, I get it. Haydn's laying there dead and bleeding, but, you know, you can, you can take some time to worry about poor Harlow. So... So that's what happened in the previous book. And so we start with Harlow. She's trying to get these supplies. And I think she resonates immediately. She feels her chest start to do the the purr-purr, she calls it. And then Mm -hmm. promptly gets knocked out. (laughs) Like, (laughs) with the quickness. So Harlow, let's talk about Harlow. She's 22 like the rest of them. She has a brain tumor that she's keeping a secret.
1: And so it must have happened in the book before that she had gone to a computer, and the computer had told her that her brain tumor was gone. Yes. So that was the plot. Okay. That's why
0: they were on the ship in the previous book, because so it's connected to Kira getting the thing removed from her ear. So they went to um. this ship, which they call the Elders' Cave, which has like a medical computer. So Kira was able to go, and the medical computer took the thing from her ear. And Harlow went and got, like, a scan because she wanted to see what was happening with her brain. So, yeah, so she gets knocked out, and this is when we meet Rook. What did you think of Rook?
1: Well, it's confusing, too, because, like, anytime they are speaking, they are speaking in the other language. They're not speaking English.
0: I believe they're speaking in Sakh. So- they're the Saku and I think they're this, the language is
1: called sock. Sakh. S-A-K-H. Uh, you're so good at pronouncing that. <laughs> Because there are so many things spelled strangely, I'm like, hmm, I'm just not going to know what that how to say that word, so I just read it. Um, yeah, so he can't. He basically can't communicate with him, and has been like, yeah, a wild man since mm-hmm. he was seven years old, which is insane. Um, but I really liked him. I think anytime we were in his brain, he is such a like a sweet person who is so profoundly lonely. But then, you know, when he finally does meet somebody that he find special and wants to spend time with, he really goes into that wholeheartedly. He doesn't sort of have a moment of like, I don't know, this is strange. I don't want to get too close to this person. He is sort of like, oh, I feel something for them and I'm just going to go towards it. And I really liked that about him and he was very protective of her. It's sad that his father told him that all the other people of his kind were bad people he couldn't go near them so he had such fear of the people who like could have helped him which is also like a little bit tragic as well but I thought it was really sweet I liked him he was a, a virgin hero oh he was, was a super ar-
0: virgin he doesn't even know what sex is he had to <laughs> I know we had to explain it. we she had to explain it to him
1: she had to explain to him not speaking the same language and just basically being like, you know how you like always jizz on your stomach. You <laughs> yeah, it has to, to go fear. in here. <laughs> and, and not with the fingers, like just full on. Oh yeah, because he tried with his fingers first, and he was like, "Oh no, you're right. There is a better way. This makes more sense. So like, again, yeah, he's not just a virgin; he's like a super duper one. Like, it- yeah, because I- like. <laughs> I guess they're all virgins if there's only four women and, like, 30 guys. Yeah.
0: But. Some of them are a bit more... Like, I think Bechthal, because, like, he admits he was having a thing with the the healer, right? Like, he had had oh, yeah. a lover before.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think there's a yeah, few... what was up.
0: Yeah. But most of them are very... And I kind of like what you said about how he commits... Because even amongst, like, the men in the series who are already sort of, like, yes, family, babies, let's go, he seems like extra intense about it. And I think it is because of what you said. He's been out there where it's implied he's out there for like decades. Like he's a small child when his father dies. It's long enough for him to forget his own language. He doesn't bathe. He doesn't wear clothes. He just sort of drifts around in the wild.
1: Yeah.
0: Which we have to talk about naked. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's got to be filthy.
1: Oh yeah. She finally bathes him. It takes a while to bathe him though, like that's the thing people get real disgusting on this planet, and then they finally bathe
0: <laughs> so let's so if we back when she first is with him and they sort of like dry hump in the bed, that all happens before the actual bathing, and I was sort of just a little repulsed by it,
1: yeah, because his hair must be is matted like when she finally washes brushes his hair it takes like hours and she falls asleep halfway through so yes yeah that must have been disgusting
0: (laughs) so it was a bit that part was a bit of a turnoff. i didn't need that like and then she admits she's a little grimy and smelly herself i don't know i guess you're on this planet beggars can't be choosers and your your heart or your the giant worm in your chest is making you hot for like this wild man i guess things like bo just don't affect you as much
1: Right, and maybe that's what the Kui is doing. He's just like, let's just turn down your nose a little bit, and let's have you just, like, not really think about it.
0: <laughs> you might be onto to something, because they all say, like, when they get the coup, they like, their sense of taste is blunted. That's why they eat the raw meat, and the Saku's food is so spicy. So maybe they, oh. she just can't smell him. I think you just solved.
1: I You're on something. To look at him, and he is completely filthy. Yeah. Um, but that's like, have you heard the story of like the wild boy of France? Like learning like psychology, like college or something, but this, oh, like, no. this little boy who was like a feral child and he walked out of the woods in France one day and he had, they don't know how long he was there, but he was basically like, um, naked and he like had no sense of cold or hot. Like they think it's a learned behavior to, you know, ah. cold and be able to handle colder heat. Um, so that's what it also made me think of a little bit that I was just like, so he's just like impervious to cold just because he's been living in it so long.
0: Yeah. And yeah. because they, as a species just seem to be more resilient to the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a thought and where did it go? Oh, um, so let's talk about, I guess, cause it'll come up and it's why you sort of touched on it. His father's whole deal, or maybe we did in a way, sorry, I'm figuring this out. Because he, we learn, and I guess, spoiler, we learn mm-hmm. he is Rahosh's brother. And maybe I'm bringing this up too early, but I, like, I have to talk about it. <laughs> because his father, so as we talked about, his father resonated to his mother. His mother didn't want him. And in his act of like, I must keep my family together, he kidnaps them all and takes them out into the woods. His mother dies. He drops Rahosh off with the tribe. Rahash off with the tribe. I'm going to mispronounce his name the entire time. Rahash off of the tribe because he gets injured and he and Rook just go out and live on their own. And it's like, I feel kind of bad for the guy because he got so messed up by his father's... It continues throughout the whole book whether or not he'll stay with the tribe and the quote-unquote bad ones because of the things his sort of misguided father told him.
1: I think you're being generous with sort of misguided. <laughs> his father was a hey, dick, he, we could say it. Yeah, father's like, like an evil person where it's like... I. Like, I guess whatever the culture is for the residents. And if you have to mate with the person, but it's like, if somebody doesn't want to be with you, they don't want to be with you. It doesn't mean you like take them out on a hunt. They die. You just drop off your one kid that's injured and then walk into the wilderness with your other one. Like that's yes. just like poor decision-making skills at a minimum, you know? You're uh, right. Yeah. I was being extremely yeah. generous. He's a dick. Like <laughs> Yeah. He's awful. And he just like instills this fear in his son and so why did he hate them so much, the father? Because he would they wouldn't like let him be with Rook's mom? Pretty or would much. It force be, her to do it?
0: I think so. I think because the chief said, told Daya, we learned his mother's name is. The chief told Daya, look, you resonance can't be denied. You have to have the baby, but you don't have to stay with him. And I think that upset his father so much that he's like oh, I'll show you, and he takes them all off and they hide out in the woods because Rook sort of has this moment when Vectal, being his chiefly self, says, Harlow's staying here, she's ill. He's like, oh, they're trying to split us up. They're trying to take her away. And he sort of has this moment. He's like, this is exactly what my father said happened. And so his father, daddy issues galore, man. His father messed him up.
1: Yeah, not cool. Let's
0: go back a little bit. Before we, after she washes him up, because they still have not fulfilled resonance at this point. But right before, right after she washes them up and they are stumbled upon by the tribe or almost discovered by the tribe, she has to distract him. And she does it with, like, you know, the old tried-and-true method of giving him a blowjob. <laughs> and I bring this up because for all these books that I have read, I have read almost, I've read so many of them, and all the sex scenes I've listened through, I never realized that their dicks were plated, too. <laughs> I like I had to have a moment where I stopped. I knew about the spur. I knew about the plating on their chest and on their eyebrows and all that stuff. I just I never realized that it was also on the penis. And I'm like I don't know what to do with that information.
1: Yeah, that just, <laughs> and that just really that's really just common. like a lot of like logistical issues too. Because like when it's soft, is it still? Is it just like a pole hanging oh my down? Gosh, like, I didn't even think about that. And then it just starts jutting out when it's hard. (laughs) Is that the difference? I don't know. That's, yeah. They imply it's ridged too. So it's like,
0: there's a lot happening with their junk. There's so much happening. Too much, some would say. I don't know. (laughs) The spur seems to be controversial.
1: Yeah. Now, somebody did tell us that the spur gets explained at a certain stage. Have you come across the explanation for it yet?
0: Yes, like the biological explanation for why it exists. Yes, yeah. she, they address that um, in the same book with the, um. oh no, that's a different book, never mind. They explain that and Farley gets a book. And so basically what they explain is it's pheromones. So like the spur, I guess, I don't know how it does, it would have to have a gland. We're really getting into this. It would have to yeah. have a gland of some type. But basically they say it's pheromones to sort of like make the woman smell like the man is the explanation they give. Which I'm like, I guess. Because you all brought up the very good point where if the alien women don't have clitorises, why would this thing be there that stimulates the clitoris if they don't have them? Yeah. This is the most ridiculous conversation I've ever had in my life. But these are but questions wait, that need to be answered. don't know that the women,
1: like, don't have clitoris. They have to have clitoris. Like, some, I mean, I hope so.
0: I don't think they do because every time the men come upon the clitoris, they're like, they call it a nipple. Like they're like, what the hell is this? What is this? I'm like, oh, it's that thing. All the other men are talking about. It's that, that third nipple. Like, I'm like, so they, this is brand new information to them. They have to not know what this is. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's my, that's my read on it.
1: And so, okay. So it is, so then people will know that those two are mated because. I believe, yes. Okay. Oh, all right, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> like, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll allow it, I guess.
0: <laughs> because, like, you all made a very valid point. Like, if the, if the women don't, why do they have it if the other women, if the alien women don't have a clitoris? It doesn't make any sense.
1: Because but. of uh, intelligent design. Yeah, we say saying it was intelligent design. <laughs> like, on the off chance women get stranded on this planet, let's make it good for them. Because once, like, the women do all, like, get dicksick, and then they're just like, who cares? And now I'm just happy, and, like, I love my husband so much, which is very nice, but it is, like, a little funny.
0: <laughs> I will say they do sort, they get a uh, an offer, I put it in quotes, to leave the planet, like, mm-hmm. not to spoil too much for you later in the series, but I mean, I guess you'll, it's on the back cover, it's not that big of a spoiler, but another planet, another ship comes, and they get offered, like, do you want to be taken away? And they're all like, nah, we're good. And they stay.
1: (laughs) Also, once they have the cooies, like, they can't leave. Isn't that part of it, too?
0: I think that's it, too. Like, the is now part of them. Mm -hmm. And you can't take it out without them suffering.
1: I'd stay, too.
0: Like, if you had resonated to someone and you were that happy. I mean, it kind of sounds sucky, but it also kind of sounds nice. And I guess that's Ruby Dixon just really selling us on those feels.
1: Yeah, I mean, if people move to, like, Cleveland for love, maybe you move to Naha. No, I don't want to dig at Cleveland. You're not in Cleveland, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think if you have already resonated with somebody, you have kids with somebody, you're, like, getting, like, laid well, then, yeah, who would leave? No, I think you would stay. I would stay.
0: I. So you have to tell me, speaking of residents, if this is a weird thought. I had this terrifying thought while I was reading this book, and I made note of it. So they say that the coo is, cooey, I hate that they call it cootie, by the way, so I'm never going to be referring to it as cootie. The cooey is like a spaghetti. It's always described as like a glowing spaghetti, like a worm. And so I'm sitting here, I'm like, how is this worm? Is it just like, and it has to be purring loud enough for people outside of that person's body to hear because other people say, oh, we hear you resonating. So does that mean that in these people's like rib cages, there's just like a tiny worm screaming <laughs> in your ribcage, like <laughs> it's like it's slightly horrifying. Like, how loud is this thing in your chest that people like two feet away can hear it?
1: I always thought it was like a drumming sound, but then that's also weird to think of. Like, are like they drumming at the end of your chest and like, <laughs> that anyone outside could hear it? Because it's like, I guess you hear it when somebody like breaks a bone, but like, I don't know. Like, even your heartbeat. If I I could hear your heart...
0: I have to have, like, my head on someone's chest to hear a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. But there are often times when, like, people are resonating. And there are people, like, six feet away, like, oh, my gosh, he's resonating for me. It's like, how loud is that thing?
1: Yeah, there's logistics, I think, that you just have to just not think of too hard.
0: (laughs) For all the good world-building, there are some questions that remain.
1: Yeah. Um, So then uh, when rook and harlow go to their like seaside escape i loved that
0: i was gonna say i don't know why the whole tribe doesn't live there it sounds very nice
1: why wouldn't you like live on the ocean where it's milder that cave seemed really sweet she's making seaweed baskets and she has she invented pillows i mean yeah (laughs) great when she was sad about leaving i'm like yeah damn i'm sad too I was too. I was like, that's
0: where they all need to go. There's, they have salt. Oh my, they know, like go where the salt is in the seafood in the slightly less deathly cold temperatures are. It sounded really nice. I was also surprised she was the first person to think of making pillows.
1: I know that would be like my first thing. Second thing. Pillows. (laughs)
0: Like just take some old fur, stuff, something, boom. So yeah, the beach sounds lovely and it's they're little spaghetti monsters. Their little life sounds kind of idyllic. Like, it's really cute. They're there. She, so, they finally fulfill residence after she teaches him what sex is.
1: Oh, that whole scene is really amazing. And it's <laughs> Do like, we want to talk about it? Yeah, it's the best, like, not sex, sex scene. I mean, it is sex, but it's like the, the reason it makes it great is not because it's a sex scene.
0: And it's like it could have been a lot ickier and it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. She did a good job.
1: No, she did a great job. And I, yeah. And I was also like, yeah, I guess how would you explain to sex to somebody who has no idea what it could possibly be? Because also, it's like he's never even been around like females. He doesn't even, it's not like he has seen other naked women to be like, oh, wait, this makes sense or animals or anything. Although he said he had seen some um, animals pregnant. So it's not like he, he, she had to explain pregnancy to him. But it is, Also, just wild to me that these women are like, yeah, actually, yeah, like, let's have a baby. Like, I think that's the thing I can't get over. (laughs) Because even if she does love Brooke and they have, like, a really cute life, I'm like, yeah, but do you really want a baby with somebody that you, like, literally cannot speak to? And eventually, she does teach him enough of the language, and I I suppose he remembers enough that they are able to communicate, but not, like... Not fluently. Yeah, they're not speaking paragraphs to each other. So... And I was going to say, because it's, it's a
0: whole year later after, cause so she sits him down and she's like, you know, resident means mating, mating means babies. And she explains all that to him. And she says like, it's a year later, she's still pregnant. So you have no idea how long you're going to be pregnant for. Could you imagine the health complications with a interspecies baby?
1: Like I know. it's so it was- much to take on. Yeah. And then she was going for a vaginal delivery. I'm like, I don't know, hon. I don't think that's the best idea. Your <laughs> husband's seven feet tall.
0: Oh my God. When they describe Georgie, like, so Georgie and Bechtel make another appearance and they describe like Rook is looking at them and he's like, she's so tiny and he's so huge. She's like, do we look that ridiculous? She's <laughs> like, do Harlow and I look that ridiculous? And it makes you think like, holy hell, how are they going to deliver these, these giant children? With horns, because he also has a moment where he's like, so is the baby in there with horns shredding her from the inside. Rook is kind of adorable.
1: Rook is actually the sweetest. He has been my favorite of the three that I've read. I really do love him a lot. Um, He, yeah, so then she ends up being able to just like deliver it vaginally. But also it seems like gestation periods like vary wildly because Georgie is still pregnant from the first book. Right. And she was the first one to get knocked up. She was the first to get knocked up. Because I was like, did it? this all happen over the course of like a week or something that all these women had? But no. Like there definitely was like months in between. And then Liz is also still pregnant. But Liv, Liz gives birth. And we close out the book and Georgie is still presumably pregnant. And um, the one woman, what's Metlach is her name? Maylach. Maylach. Mm-hmm. Is she's pregnant she's like oh it takes three years so the whole pregnancy thing is just like I guess a free for all you're just sort of like hanging out pregnant just waiting yeah I kind of get
0: maybe the fact that Harlow might have delivered early because her baby wasn't thriving Yeah. because when they're on the beach and Liz and Rahash discover them and Harlow faints and Liz is like yelling at Rook because Rook is like go leave we don't need you and she's like She's clearly in need of help. He needs like, she's with Kit. She's like, so am I, and I don't look anything like her. And he sort of is, has to face the realization that, or not face, he had been denying it to himself that Harlow's not doing well with this pregnancy. She's, we hear She describes her back and side pains a lot. She seems to have no energy. She doesn't sleep. Her eyes are always described as looking hollow.
1: Yeah, she's not doing well. But I guess it's also like if you have no idea what pregnancy is going to look like, then it's harder to have an idea of like this is bad or this is good because she keeps mm-hmm. telling him like everything's okay I'm just tired yeah so he is kind of all he has to go on I do love Poor how guy when, I know whenever in Brooke's mind when she talks it always comes out as just like one big word that you have to like read slowly to figure out what is she's actually saying I yeah. love that device I think that's so like clever and so funny and so sweet
0: because I'm like oh, oh before they learn each other's language.
1: Yeah, when you're in Rook's mind and he's like, and her thing is always, it's okay. <laughs> I don't
0: do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious hearing the narrator read them too.
1: Oh, what do they do to just say it really fast?
0: Because he just kind of slurs it together too. And like, he's really good. His name is Mason Lloyd. I guess I'm a fangirl now. I don't know. I, don't know what I, <laughs> I
1: think right you to need to get Mason myself. on the pod.
0: <sighs> if I could, that would be the dream. I want to yeah. hear his like natural speaking voice. Mason, what are you up to? Exactly. DM or, you know, tweet me. I'll share my info at the end. Um, so, but that going back to what you said, that sort of describes the bigger, overall, more tender message that Ruby Dixon sort of has about, like, Rook has to learn why the tribe is good. And so when they deliver, he learns, like, it's good being with the tribe because the other women can help Harlow with her pregnancy and the healer can help her. It's good being with the tribe because when their baby is born and he is sick and he needs the coup right away... All of these hunters are risking their lives to go get this coup to help his baby and his son, you know, thrive. And I think that's also where it hits him. He's like, how could my father ask my mother, who had just given birth, to go and go on this big hunt? And it is kind of sweet, like, when he has this moment of realization. I think there's a line where he turns, he's like, the man I should have been following is my brother, not my father.
1: And I'm like, aw, real good yeah. for you. That is so sweet. Um, the, yeah, they end up coming together and it is really sweet that Roshu's just, just like really stands up for him kind of immediately because he's had his own issues and that when he meets him, they walk into the cave. He's like, uh, clearly we're brothers. And then he immediately <laughs> is like, well, you're my brother. And so I'm just going to do everything I can for you possibly. And it's just really sweet. Um, I do love the community within this, like that the tribe, everyone pretty much gets along and how all the women have really bonded together and seem to have like genuine affection and love for each other. Um, I really like that as well. Cause I think, you know, it's important to have female friends and especially when you're in like a stressful environment like that.
0: Yeah. And like, I think in Harlow has that moment too, when they're in the pool, the pool scene where they're coming up with nicknames or not nicknames, <laughs> actual names for the baby And they Brangelina, they decided to Brangelina their names to make the baby names, which I don't know how I feel about that. Cracko did crack me up.
1: Cracko. Don't do that one. And there were a few, (laughs) yeah, they were really good. But I'm also like, you could just name the baby James. I don't know. It's just, (laughs) just like start something new, I guess. Like, who cares? But the combination of both the parents' names, I was like, okay, I guess if it's good enough for racehorses, it's good enough for you.
0: Yeah, the names get a little, at some point, and I don't remember who they are, but like there's, someone gives birth to twins that they name Anna and Elsa. And I'm like,
1: (laughs) what? (laughs) okay. (laughs) So they left a world where Brangelina existed and also Frozen had come out and they had watched it.
0: Yes. (laughs) Time is really weird in these things because we also learned some of them, they don't, I guess were kept in stasis. So like, it's like you could go and maybe you were, kidnapped in 2014 and they were flying around and they kidnapped someone else in like 2017 but you all didn't crash land on this planet until like 2018 if that makes any sense Uh so everyone's sense of time is like wonky some people lost more time in the tubes than other women did it's wild oh so i have a question for you if you are on the ice planet what is your skill how do you fit into the tribe Cause I thought about that and I'd be like, what would be my thing? And my best thing I could think of was like, I would be a forager and I would try to like be the cook, like make some decent food. That's not just stew and like more raw meat. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess yeah. tribe cook would be what I would try and do. Those are the only skills
1: I have. And that's like a big skill. Like that's a skill that people need literally to survive. So I think that it's a very good skill. I'm like, I don't know what my skills would be. I am actually like a pretty good knitter. So maybe I would start like <laughs> trying to knit, but I don't know if there's wool there. I would have to invent wool first. There right? you go. And then I would get going. I, yeah. I think
0: that's good. Textiles. There's one poor girl later in the series. She's a hairdresser and she's like, Oh, I can braid your hair. And like, that's what she, she like aggressively, <laughs> <laughs> she'll aggressively braid everyone's hair. Cause she just wants to feel useful. And it's like oh, sweetie.
1: Oh, that so is yeah. really sweet though. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess that would be because Harlow is a mechanic, or her father's a mechanic. Like she's obviously like extremely resourceful.
0: Yeah, I think her father's a mechanic, but she has picked up you know skills, and that's why she went in the previous book. That's why she goes along with Kira and Ahako to like the Elder Cave they call it, which is actually just a really big old ship to tinker around. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Liz is probably the most. Liz is, like, I like Liz when she's not the main character in the book. Like, I find her sometimes, like, in her book, she was a little, the jokes got a little, and her personality yeah. was a little brusque. But she's a good side character when she's in other people's stories.
1: Yeah, it is funny because they are on, like, an ice planet and everything. And then every once in will be like, oh, get a room. Or, like, <laughs> these really, like, pat, like, not very good jokes. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well,
0: you calm took, down. yeah. <laughs> So, but she's probably the most do because she like makes a bow and she's like hunting and skinning stuff, so she's like she's right at home. I mean,
1: yeah, it's great. it's a great book. it's really sweet, it's really heartfelt. I loved them by the sea, and even like the birth scene and everything was very realistic and um um and interesting too. they let her they give, she gives birth while squatting, which is apparently the best way to do it, so they know stuff, I guess already.
0: I've heard that for like. And like, that's a thing I've never given birth or <laughs> been, but like, it's, I've heard like if you, it's easier one, cause gravity helps. And two, apparently that's how the human body was sort of made, like we're not made to give birth lying down. I had read, I don't know. I'm not an OBGYN, please don't come for me. But um, <laughs> that's what I've heard. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, my mom is an L and D nurse for like 30 years. So I feel like I've ended up, she used to take me to like breastfeeding classes when I was a kid. Um, just cause she was teaching them, not because I needed to learn anything myself. And, um, but yeah, that's what they say. It's like very unnatural on your back. Just everything is working against like with gravity and stuff. So squatting is the best. And they have these, if you look up, they have all these old like birthing chairs and stuff. And it just looks like a table chair that they just like cut a hole out of. (laughs) I just,
0: like, let the baby fall out. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask how we feel about the term, speaking of that, life meat. Not a fan. Not a fan of oh. that. Oh. So again, that's placenta, right? I mean, that's ex- it's the placenta, and, like, it fits in universe. I just don't like the way, I don't like the mental image I get when I know they're talking about placenta and they say the word life meat.
1: Yeah, life meat is gross.
0: The use of language in this book is just very intensely fascinating, like, genitals are like called what they are using like using like the most like we don't call it vagina it's called a cunt which I go back and (laughs) forth on cock is usually always cock um yeah so it's interesting but yeah life meat that was a new one for this book she's really good at world building I'll give her that
1: no she's fantastic at it I I mean I hope that you actually get her on the pod because. (laughs) That's the you're gonna try yeah because (laughs) she should and also I just have so many questions and I do just want to hear her talk about it like how did you come up with this because sort of what you said at the beginning where like this is so many women's fantasies is like how could you possibly know this would be women's fantasies to be like captured by giant or they're not captured but to like end up on a planet with giant blue aliens who are just like really good at having sex and also then you end up pregnant for an indeterminate amount of time it is feeding in, I think, on some women's, uh, ideas of safety. And I feel like there is a thing for people sometimes to want to be like taken away somewhere. And, and then it's just you and your mate against the world. And, but this is such a wild concept. I just, I would love to just hear say like, what was the first thing you thought of? Like, how did you flesh it out? Like it's insane.
0: Yeah. And even beyond the romantic, like, fantasy, just the idea of, like, you have this tribe, they're all really close. She has, like, these, I haven't read a lot of, like, the novellas and the books in between the big books. But, like, they'll have, like, holiday celebrations where they make up, like, holidays and people give gifts. And it's all, like, it's almost small town romance in a way, but it's, like, on the ice planet. And, like, it's, like, that gets me, too. Like, the whole sense of community with the tribe, the themes brought up in this one. And it's, like, it's just really, it's really earnest and sweet. And, like, I started reading them ironically, and then I think I started unironically loving them. That's my journey.
1: That's what will get you, the amount of people who have started doing something unironically, and next thing you know, they have a podcast. Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's been my journey.
1: <laughs> I, like, I, no irony for from now on, I think. Just, like, genuinely love weird shit. Yeah. I think it's so fun and so silly. Because, like, other books that, you know, we've read for, the, for learning the tropes about... Uh, we've read the New Species series, which is like men and women who have been spliced with animal DNA, and that's a wild world that is so much fun to be into. Um, I'm trying to think of what are other like truly bizarro ones. I mean, the New Species I think like and Ice Planet Barbarian sort of takes the cake. Uh, we read other alien romances that didn't weren't didn't work as well, which then makes you appreciate how great Ice Planet Barbarians is because it's it's endlessly readable and interesting and enjoyable and you do and there is so much to think about
0: I'm curious when you say you've read other ones that aren't as good because I've tried to read a few and I found I don't like them as much and I think the thing the secret for hers that make it so good is the resonance like like the fact that that's what's forcing the sex because I have read some where the sex and the mating happens because of like a government like a government entity that assigns people to things. I'm like, well, that's dumb. I've read one where like the sex literally is an energy force that powers a spaceship. And I'm like, that's also dumb. Like I like the fact that it's, it's simple. It's pure biology. The species needs to propagate. Here's the thing that says you two are going to mate and have babies. Like it's, that's all it needs to be.
1: Yeah. It's also just like a parasite acting sort of the way that that parasites act. So it's like, it makes sense, like logically that this thing would then be forcing you to, to resonate.
0: Yeah. So, um, I had like, has the, so you sort of already touched on this cause I had written down questions to ask, like if this was the craziest book you read, but it sounds like you are very well read thanks uh, to the podcast.
1: But no, I would still say this was probably up there as far as like weird books that we've read so we've read this. I mentioned, like, the New Species series, which is also, like, kind of is wackadoo, but takes place on Earth. Um, That oh, I also, like, yeah, unironically love. It is so strange and so wonderful. And it's just such, a, it's, like, these books, like, I end up just, like, with a smile on my face. I'm, like, this is so wild. What am I even <laughs> reading? Why am I so interested and involved? But, um but yeah, no, I think this would probably be up there as far as I, as far as they go. We read, I mean, I don't like to trash other books, but we did right. read one, another alien one that we didn't like. And it was sort of, it was like a weird, like slave narrative. Yeah. I'm not and, a fan of that. Yeah. And then like, th- there was just a lot of things. It was too much. It was too much. Um, so I didn't love that one, but I, we're also still open to reading more.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So I guess I just wanna ask, like, so what was the wildest moment of this book for you?
1: <laughs> um the wild I mean, the wildest moment I think is like her trying to teach him how to have sex with her. Yeah. After they've just basically been dry humping. And it <sighs> is so sweet because Rook is like the sweetest, tenderest heart, and that he is like, Listen, I've been fucking living for this dry humping. I don't know if I I didn't think there was anything more than dry (laughs) hunting. This is insane that there is. And then
0: his mind is blown.
1: (laughs) His mind is blown by the blowjob. And then his mind is absolutely blown by like a P and V sex. Yeah. Which is so sweet because he isn't like, you know what I mean? He's so happy with whatever little he has that he's just like, this is amazing. And then he's like, wait, more? (laughs) This is even more amazing.
0: Yeah. And that's, and I just keep thinking how like that scene could be really icky, but she does a pretty good job. Like she does a really good job at like not making it like, I'm going to teach you how to have sex, which I don't know. It just, it would give me a weird vibe. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think I asked you are, you would stay on not Hoth, but would you, would you keep reading the series? series? Oh you? yes.
1: <laughs> I'm going to, I'm I'll go, yeah, I'll go back and read Liz's book now that you said that it is, or not Liz's, curious. K- um, yeah. Now that you say it isn't like the sort of things that weren't so fun about the first book.
0: Yeah. I will say Ahako may be my favorite. Like this is not his shining moment. His, oh, Harlow got kidnapped. I don't give any Fs. It's not his shining moment, but Ahako may be one of my favorite because like he's apparently the quote unquote goofball. Like he's the happy one. Like whenever Aww. he, yeah. Cause like in Liz's book, when Liz quote unquote holds him hostage and he's like yeah I'll go along with this sure so he's like the he's like the laid-back carefree one and then you have Hayden who's like apparently the dick (laughs) like the first six books everyone's just like yeah that asshole Hayden (laughs) or Hayden I can't remember how to pronounce his name so yeah so awesome I guess that's why I'm doing this podcast I'm like please read them and then (laughs) get back to me
1: Yeah, no, I'm really excited to listen to the podcast and listen to other books (laughs) like be described and find out what people think is the wildest moment. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and also it's like for this book, for the setting and for the fact that the hero is a seven foot tall, like blue alien, like it it doesn't feel that out there, you know? Like it is kind of silly, but at the end of the day, it is a story of two people, like forced proximity, like, it is weird how quickly she goes along with like, well, I guess everyone's going to be mad at me because three <laughs> people died. But that, the thing that's so weird about that is like, how could you know? Like you didn't murder them. right? You were knocked unconscious and they, and you assume that they died. But like, why would the tribe, why would you think the tribe wouldn't just believe her? If she's like, guys, like I did not I went to try to get the Travoy and then somebody knocked me over the head and I was out and I didn't know what to do. And, like, I'm back. Like, it is funny that she just went to, like, well, I guess they, they all hate me now. And so I'm going to go off with Rook. She starts but, making
0: lists. Like, she's like, well, here's what I need to do. I need to make some new skins. Like, she is, she's broken away completely. It's
1: She's resilient, man. Yeah. She's like, this is my new life. And it's fine. <laughs> but it's, after that, it is, like, a sweet story of two people falling in love. Um, which is, you know, what I really like. And that's why I don't normally love one like Faded Mate t- type stories, because it's just seems it's like, well, these two people are meant together and they both are like feeling really strongly for each other. So like, why? Why are we here? Like, why am I reading about this? Or this one really was. It seemed like two people like learning about each other and. Um, making up for each other's, you know, weak spots and really, like, loving each other in a way that I thought was really sweet. So, yeah, I loved this book.
0: Yeah. Like I said, the resonance is such... Because it adds to the conflict. And, it like, it's never, like, you all are resonating, so now you have... Like, it's not a forced marriage kind of thing. I mean, I guess it is. But it adds to the conflict on, here are two people who maybe didn't want to be together or know they... Or think about being together, but now these little parasites have decided... You're gonna have a baby, so how are you gonna deal with that? It's a genius plot device. Like, the more I read it, the more I realize I'm like, she's good at this.
1: She's very good at this. Mm-hmm. And also, I like that it doesn't happen every immediately. Yeah, like it, it does it in varies. this book, but it, other books, like it's you've been around people for a while, and then all of a sudden you start resonating for somebody. And so I think that's really interesting too.
0: Yeah, you she know. plays with it in the other books, and it's kind of fun to see how the different couples deal with it. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else or not. Yeah, I know. I love the beach. We already talked about that. I don't know why they don't stay on that beach. Like...
1: Especially if they need salt to survive. It's like, guys. And there are multiple caves there. Because there's a cave where his father's body is. And yeah. then the cave that they live in, that seems like pretty legit. <laughs> I, yeah, it just seems so strange why you wouldn't just be like, no, just like stay here, do this.
0: Yeah, and seafood, and it's warmer, and they could still go out to the main, like, and hunt, and do a hunting trip, and then come back. But it seems like if you have, like, a tribe where, like, half, well, maybe not half, maybe, like, a solid third, cannot tolerate the low temperatures, I don't know. We need the snow. I think it also serves as a conflict. So I get it, Ruby. I get it. You like the fact that they can be snowed in.
1: <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, oh, but that's, like, after the first time, after the Ice Planet Barbarian, art like, episode, and we said, like, oh, we wanted it to be a choice for them to stay, and someone wrote, like, yeah, but then there would never be another book, because everyone would have laughed, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you couldn't do that. That would be ridiculous. Exactly. So, I want to amend it and say, I saw you, woman who commented on Facebook, and I heard you, and you do make more sense than I do. So... I mean, yeah, they, and I, I don't want to keep, so this
0: is, like I said, this is the first one, and so I'm trying to figure it out, and I don't want to keep referring to the other books, but it's hard, because they do all so work together, but yeah, they do sort of get a choice later, and they decide to stay, and it's like, oh. and also, I think the woman realize if we leave with our half-alien babies,
1: we can't go Before back to go Earth, yeah.
0: yeah. Can you imagine, we,
1: yeah. Mm, no, it would not be great, I think, for <laughs> the little babies. Yeah, what is
0: the baby called Ruka. Rukar, so they take Ruk and Har and make Rukar. Rukar, yeah, that one works. There are some other ones I mean, that I'm like, that's interesting.
1: <laughs> I do like all these aliens have like crazy names. And then Hayden, it's like, oh, okay, I know somebody named Hayden. <laughs> and even
0: Beck isn't that wild. No, like I think there's isn't there a recording artist named Beck B E C K? Yeah. I feel like an old lady right now. <laughs>
1: There is a recording artist <laughs> and he drops albums and exactly. records.
0: That's like my the most geriatric I think I've ever sounded.
1: But <laughs> well, that's like, you know, like Game of Thrones, everyone has like wild names. And then there's like Jamie and John and you're like, okay, well, did we run out of names? <laughs>
0: they ran out of names. I think that's it. They're like looking. Bashan, yeah. Daya wasn't
1: too weird either. No, Daya, I feel like I probably have come across a Daya or could. Or there's that Yogurt. Daya. Rook was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You need to have her on just to say, like, and how did you come up with a name?
0: Yes. I have a list of questions. And please feel oh. free, listener, if you have a question you would like to ask Ruby Dixon on the dream that I ever get her on this podcast, send it to me so I can ask it. Yes.
1: Because <laughs> that's the ultimate goal. Oh. She should. Like, she 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 should. It would be so fun. I would, oh my God, I would love it so much. It would be so interesting. And yeah, I just want to find out what's happening in her brain.
0: Yes. Like, why did you decide to write these? And I like how she tries really hard to be like, I think, inclusive, both with this series and the Ice Home series. And it's like really sweet that it's sort of this book of series that's saying like, no matter who you are, what you look like, the blue alien dudes will love you. So like there's ones where the women are heavier um she gets more racially diverse in the ice home series which is sort of a spinoff of this series and there's also like a more asian women who come and like black women and like it's just really incredibly diverse and she sort of opens up the whole world and it's not like the series needed that but it's like i think the readers need that like she made it so that more readers can see themselves no matter what size they are how tall like tall short one girl's deaf one girl has anxiety we learn later and it's like it's just really sweet that she opened it up and like tried to make it as inclusive as possible.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really great. That's important. Um, what is the Ice Home? What is it about that series?
0: So the Ice Home series takes place on the same planet, and what happens is there's like um, there is they hint towards it. Um, the, I think there's a volcano that sort of explodes, and what happens is it destroys an island where some other aliens that we did not previously know about had been living. Along with that, a lot of things happen during this week. There is a ship that they discover, like another ship that either crashes or they discover, and they discover that it has four men and 12 more women. And so they decide to create another tribe with this group. And so they sort of shuffle them off. They do, I think, stay on the beach. And so you've got these 12 women, and then it ends up being like another 12 men, and they create this separate tribe But some of the characters from the original series will show up. Like I think Taoshin is there. Um, Ahako sometimes will go and show up. There's a character who's introduced later named Gale, who um, is one of the women. And she moves there with one of the older Ice Planet Barbarians. So it's like a spinoff. But if you don't want to read it, it's fine. Like if you don't want to read it, it doesn't continue the story of this group. It's a completely new series, which I guess is the definition of a spin-off. Thanks, Danielle. Um, <laughs> so, but it's cute and it like, and it's like I think it's Ruby Dixon going even bigger. Like, oh. not only are there giant ice blue aliens, they have four arms. Um, there's a dragon.
1: Oh <laughs> she brings in one of them. Okay, great. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> this is sounds amazing. Are you sold? I'm sold. I'm going to the ice home. Leave me at the ice home. The covers, I think I sent you did I send you one? The covers are pretty
0: pretty great. Like they're like watercolor painting looking and they're very like clinchy and I love them. So, so yeah, check out the ice home. Series. And if this podcast, like, you know, does well and people want more, I may do the ice home. I am not opposed to doing the ice home series.
1: Yeah. Keep it going. Just let it ride forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anything to get Ruby Dixon's attention. Yeah. So, so i I think we've reached a good sort of wrapping up discussion. Unless there was anything else.
1: No, I mean it's. I looked through my notes. I
0: think yeah, we touched on all my notes. The bathing, the bathing, the bathing, the bathing. Okay. Um. So thank you, Erin, for joining me for this reading. I do want to give you this time to promote your things. Where can people find Learning the Tropes?
1: Yeah. So you can find Learning the Tropes pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Probably how you're listening to this one right now. Um. We are working on getting on Spotify, and uh, so we're not there yet, but hopefully soon. Um, and then uh, on in uh, Twitter, we are at Learning Tropes, and on Instagram, we are at Learning the Tropes. Um, and then we have a Facebook group called Learning the Tropes Troop um, that is really fun as well. If you are hanging out on Facebook, you can come find us there.
0: Awesome. Can I say... So I do the Black Chick Lit podcast, and I have, like, submitted us for Spotify at least two or three times. And it doesn't go through, and I'm, like, flummoxed. I don't know. Like, every other platform I've put
1: our podcast on, it goes fine. Spotify, I struggle. I don't know what it is. We were on Spotify. It's, like, so confusing. So we were on Spotify using a login with, like, the Learning the Tropes Gmail. Mm -hmm. And then Clayton decided he wanted to make a, like a Spotify playlist for the podcast. So I was like, knock yourself out. <laughs> so he did that. But basically then what Spotify said was like, okay, well, now you have two things that are the same. Oh, and, and they eat. He, And so they got rid of the podcast. And so I think we were emailing with them to be like, hey, like we'll delete the playlist or what, like it doesn't matter. But like we want the podcast to be there. And I think we just all sort of like fell off and stopped paying attention to it. But um, yeah, so it was like a weird, it was like something we did. It was our fault, I guess. But like, yeah. Uh,
0: but yay. So hopefully you'll be on Spotify soon and we can find you there. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening in. Thank you for joining me. Um, the next book we read is, I had to look it up because these titles, man, is Barbarian's Prize, which is Tiffany's story. And I believe that is Hayden, Hayden, the the one who, no, that is not Mess that up. That is not Hayden High. That's Tiffany and Saluk. So that one's a good one. Because there's a lot of... There's some angst in that one. It gets more feelings. That'll be fun. Yes. So, all right. <laughs> so thank you again. Thank you so much. Hey, hey. Yay, that was so fun. I'm dead serious about getting Ruby Dixon on this podcast. If she is even remotely interested, I will do an email correspondence. I am all about... I'm a journalist. I'm all about protecting my sources if that's what we're concerned about. I I would just love to pick her brain. Um I realized as I was editing this, we never even defined the Vectol test. So basically, it's hard to rank aliens on hotness on a human scale. So what they came up with is any alien they come across will be ranked either hotter than Vectol or less hot than Vectol. And that's pretty much how we <laughs> make these comparisons. Bechdahl is free to move up or down. And this is how we determine how hot th- he is, actually. If a majority of aliens sound less hot than him, then he's he must be attractive. Um, <laughs> I'm just so glad that they came up with that. Uh, we may, I will reach out and we may hear more about the Bechdahl test. Erin in the Learning the Tropes podcast deserve a lot of love because she actually was the very first recording for this podcast I did. It was like back in... October or September, it was a while ago, before I'd even shaped the rest of the the podcast, before I had a title. I was that hyped to get started. So you can hear a lot of those early things that later came back in that first episode, the embrace embracing the feminist ideals and me still not shutting up about Mason Lloyd and his voice. Uh, 2019, me was so young and... <laughs> So much Jaden. I know she was. She was still old and crusty. Um, next episode, I will be joined by Funmi from Twitter. You may know her as at Funmi Reads H E A S, and we are reading Barbarian's Prize, A.K.A. Tiffany's book. If I recall, this is the first time Funmi has read any of this series, um, and I just love the perspective of someone who has never approached them, like just hearing what they think about the whole thing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's all I have for you today. Thank you again, as always, for listening. Um, if you have any comments, questions, feedback, want to yell at me for constantly mispronouncing names like Quee and Cootie and all these other things, hit me up at Ice Planet Pod on Twitter and contact
1: at IcePlanetPod.com. Thanks, guys. Bye.